Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for June 12, 2017, featuring poet Jay Despande leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street off Smith Street near the Bergen Street FG stop. The Brooklyn Poets Yop and 61 Local were recently featured in Delia Cave's new book, Story Bars of New York, that just launched at 61 Local on June 19th. Definitely check that book out. This month's open mic lineup featured Cindy Tran, Emily Wilkinson, Regina Magalovskaya, Anam Satar, Dianelli Antigua, Richard Fine, Julie Hart, Kelly Ginn McCarter, Gerald Wagoner, Emily Blair, Ricardo Hernandez, Julia Knobloch, Arthur Russell, Candy Wolf, Gabriel Victor Cummings, and John Kim. So let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for June. Enjoy. Uh, we love seeing bodies in the room, that's what it's all about in New York City, especially in Brooklyn, different bodies in the room, that is how community happens, it does not happen on the internet, so don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Uh, a few ground rules with the room, oh sorry, before we get to that, I have a few announcements. I wish I could remember <laughs> what I'm going to announce. Uh, we were lucky to have Jay to lead that workshop for us in the previous hour. Uh, <laughs> if you are interested in taking the, the full experience with Jay Despondi over five weeks, his workshop on the Ode starts on July 23rd. It's going to be every Sunday for a period of five weeks, which I think one week off. So if you need a week off, then it's also included in this package. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jay Despondi also has his. Incredible first book, one of my favorite first books from the last few years, Love the Stranger, for sale on the back. Also for sale is the beautiful Brooklyn Poets Anthology, which we published. Yay! Yay! $5 in the back, no shipping, incredible. You pay cash, no sales tax either. I mean, the deals are just coming at you left and right. Okay, enough of the announcements. We are on to the open mic. As you can see, I've got a fucking game to get to, so we're going to do this. We're going to do this quickly tonight, people. Quickly and efficiently. You know how efficiency is a big stat in the NBA? It is also going to be a stat tonight. They have that stat called PER for basketball players. It's also for poets. Poets efficiency rating. Okay? You have three minutes on the mic. We have been going over this limit just incredibly, just with all kinds of wondrous egregiency. Is that even a word? Probably. Yeah, it is. Egregiency. It is now. So please keep your time limits. 
three minutes. If you've got over three pages, that is almost definitely over three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If it's like two words along. Yeah, well, if it's two words along, maybe not. But I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> uh, if you haven't been here before, we do record the open mic. I'm doing the stick with my hand. <laughs> we do record the open mic uh, as a podcast every month, which we call the Yawpcast. Uh, so if you don't want to be in the recording, you should tell me that. You can tell me after. You can email me. That's all good. Uh, if you don't tell me, we assume that you're good with the recording. We'll post you on the Yawpcast. You can download it on iTunes. Subscribe to it. Rate us. Five stars. All that good stuff. We vote for poem of the month every month. If you don't know that, it is my audience vote. Win poem of the month, you get free admission to a future yacht, and the, the really exciting thing is you get to compete for poem of the year in December at the December yacht. And there are many people here. I'm looking at Isabel, I'm looking at Arthur. Uh, I'm sure there's other people in the room. Emily Blair, Julie Hart. There's a whole bunch of people that have competed for that. Uh, if you win that award, it's just like I mean, you will you will always get laid for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about all the poetry. Not true. Recognition. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, you just text me. This is the first time I'm going to say it. We'll say it a few times tonight. It's 718-374-1953. That is 718-374-1953. I ask that you wait till the end of the open mic to vote. Don't do that thing where you vote for your friends or yourself like after you leave. That's just <laughs> Please do this. I think wait until the end of the night to go for poem of the month. Uh, speak into the mic. You see how close my mouth is? This is pretty much the ideal distance to read into the old mic. Why? Because if you read back here, the recording sounds like shit. And I play it back and I'm like, I can't hear that damn poet. And that's guess what? Everyone else is thinking the same all like the 30 people that listen to the podcast. <laughs> so please read into the open mic and project. You can hear the music downstairs and it always starts at this time. Every month, as you all know, so you've got to project over that music in the background and also for the recording. Am I forgetting anything? No. Is that good? Really? This is, I'm talking fucking efficiency. This is what I'm talking Let's about. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Our first reader is Jay Despond. Our first reader is Jay Despond. You're going to project. Woo! in the room is so high, I'm terrified now. <laughs> Thank you. How's this? Good? You all hear me? All right. So I'm going to do a poem from, I can do two, is that okay if I do two? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Rules don't, don't apply to me. It'll be fast. It'll be efficient. <laughs> we start with Paradise Lost, we're all fun. So, um, just to keep with the same idea of a kind of ethics uh, and how to bring that into the poem, I want to read this poem called Cruelty. No one keeps full company with the knives. The blazes along the trail become occasionally wine left out unreadable. The executioner polishes also the lemons that grow so brightly behind his country home. When her father told her about the affair, at first, she felt gratitude to know he was not dying. The mind reaches the thorn bush sometime later, and the thorn bush, the months of it, the plattering. 
Legend reports the actual possibility that a woman can tear the flesh off her own body piece by piece, but accommodatively. That a man can wake up on the hillside of his sixth decade and find his tongue dry from the words, they should take up my eyes for what I've done. These actions are easier for the human animal than turning with kindness to one's reflection. And still we each somehow live in peace and the provisional version of self-love. The mechanism not broken, though rarely developed, into muscle. When the knife enters, it is then we are most in this partnership with one another. The fugue is one of mirroring and mud. And we must be good to each other, very good, grateful as the downwind wolves. Here's a poem about people painting their lawns green in California because of the drought years ago, because appearances are very important. It's called, That's the American Dream, is to have a green lawn. <laughs> Almond green or Oxford green, road teeth bearing chartreuse or the neon sewn into the spines of animals we would rather rub up against than let them breed at home. We roam, not to loosen censored green or brilliant appearance of the mage green hue of soft father trembling in the corner, or dead in my sights green, or teensy-weensy picnic problem set between the fork and knife, green of, we found it there, and green of, we'll take it from here, to the sod put down in trails, in tears, we keep our thumbs, or green like your first lover, brought to silence by the great field, the invasive species acts in moral commons here, I'll mow and inhabit, we feel so good, as it's getting easy being green by chemical love and love, you put the good bed down, turf or foe, you cover up. Let's sleep now, Shh, green, sweet, sleep, let's sleep, let's cover it in money. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jay. Good height. Uh, our number two and three readers backed out. You know how I feel about that. Good. Anyway, our next reader is Bill Considine. Is Bill here? Is Bill here? Bill is also backed out. Our next reader I know is here because there's a check mark next to her name. Give it up for Cindy Tran. years to wrap all of my limbs around a tree root and grow by sugar and darkness to climb the ladder of dirt and gravel waiting for my eyes to drift open to see a city of green lights 
and not know which way to go. To cling onto the limb of a spurious shrub and grow an amber-rich carapace to leave the shell, the armor behind. To leave the silence behind. To open kaleidoscope eyes to the stained world, the swarm of other cicadas, and to call to them. To see them rise from cherry and magnolia trees, to meet on sunlit branches with music in our bodies, moving to the shimmy of the leaves, nodding, playing rough with the wind, to call, to court, to be a chorus, and to gaze eye to eye, to shake like two maracas in a duet, the only way we know to use our skeletons, to recall our songs and sing till we are gone. Machine, art installation at the Space Gallery in Pasadena, California. I scribble my forgiveness on a paper scrap. I stand before the seven-foot monster, the forgiveness machine. It is not a box. It is many vacuums, cogless, mostly empty inside. A yellow vacuum swallows it, sucks in the forgiveness, makes a low and constant hum you hear power lines make after a rain. The forgiveness monster pulls it through another tube. Makes the forgiveness go up and down, levitates in the vacuum air. My forgiveness does not make a sound, though it floats and curls around itself. My forgiveness then whirls around a plastic orb, crumples through an orange tube, crumples as it marches, slithers out the other side. Neat shreds of my forgiveness lie face up in a glass resting box. It lies on top of other people's neat forgiveness shreds, all scribbled down. I look at those scraps of scraps, unsure what happened in there, if my forgiveness became theirs, if asking becomes a giving. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Sorry about that, Emily. Our next vote is Emily Wilkinson. Give it up for Emily. Yeah. Every person you meet, obviously. 
So be bold, approach them. It will seem like they are scared or too cool. Don't let that get in the way. They are just like you and want nothing more than to be your friend. If you're looking for something to talk about with strangers, that's easy. Complain. <laughs> Particularly about the city. New Yorkers love to hear your, suggest your suggestions for improvement. They want to hear how annoying you find the subway, the healthcare system, the post office, the weather, the politics, the schools, the coffee, the cost of living, the large portion sizes in restaurants, <laughs> the traffic, the local Rite Aid. They'll be especially delighted if you say things are better in Melbourne than here. <laughs> and you will need to explain exactly why. Details matter. Whenever you get the chance, mention Johnny Depp's dogs. <laughs> it was totally cool that we threatened to kill them. <laughs> Remember, the barista or the local crossing guard or the waiter at the diner are nice to you. They are your friends. Invite them to your apartment so you can go out. <laughs> Make sure you smile at everyone for no reason at all. Don't freak them out at all. Smile at passers-by, smile at people you know. Smile at yourself, just like you would back home. But more, because you're nervous. It's not weird. Don't let the fact that no one smiles back at you put you off. They're secretly shocked by how great you are. Talk about how much better life is in Australia. New Yorkers love to know which countries are superior to theirs. <laughs> Actually, remember, talk a lot. Overshare. People want to know everything you've been doing and thinking. Walk really slowly. Meander, <laughs> directionless, along the sidewalk. If you're starting to feel strange, like things are not feeling going as well as you'd hoped, show it. <laughs> Act uncomfortable. People are particularly drawn to the person who is deeply questioning their own identity. <laughs> They've been away from home so long that they don't know if it's home anymore, and you didn't realise how big and cold and hot New York would be. They say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, but what if you can't make it here, and everyone thinks you're weird and naive, and you don't know how to get grown up or cool or from a block, and it's not really like the movies, and you should probably just go back to that weird 50-second state they've never heard of called Australia, and stop bothering them, and you think they might be right. <laughs> Clipper the Red Dog Book. 
The man who calls me guapa. The pink hair and the yawns. Alana Ferrante. The way my ears crackle as we dive beneath the East River. A very tall man. Black, pointy umbrellas that send leftover drops of rain onto the sneakers of a seated stranger. Graying hair, wedding rings, too much foundation, behind-the-ear tattoos, the most perfect eyebrows I've ever seen. A fishy sort of smell. And Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> I know it doesn't make very much sense, but I look for you in every restaurant window in my neighborhood. You don't even live here. But on every other corner, I throw a quick glance across dark glass full of soft light and warm wood and white plates, silhouettes everywhere, heads thrown back and wine-flecked laughter, slightly purple lips. I don't even know how I'd feel if I saw your face amongst all that. I miss you so much. I don't even know who I'm talking about anymore. Thank you, Regina. I like that that was like a shrug and a curtsy at the same time. The portmanteau version of that. Curtsy. A shirtsy? A shrug. Curtsy. Curtsy. Like a frog? Anyway. Is Alan Braverman? Negative. It's going to be this like, really heartfelt email. It's like, am I on the actual list this time? The wait list. I'm an old man. I need to read. It was so sweet. <laughs> and I was like, you're on the list. And then he didn't come. I feel, like that, I feel like that was my punishment. For him being it is, actually. <laughs> Our next reader is uh, wearing a very elegant dress wherever she is. Get up for Anand Sato. Of your chisel beak carving into my soft sides, 
In the end, you chose only your own kind to mate with, and I was left behind to cradle the eggs in my hollow. Grief-stricken I was, until the fledgings flew. Then soon I encountered a well-chiseled lumberjack, and had him strike me again and again with his double-edged axe, so that once again my feeble heart would faintly beat. Thank you. tonight and one, probably the best t-shirt and those two combined give her this incredible swag. So um, I made it your name is a DNA. That's perfect. I'm not sure if it's right, but that's perfect. So that's interesting. <laughs> you Wake up. Wake up. 
before that was Anansato, before that was Vizina Magalitskaya. Three definite challenges for me as the pronouncer of names, but so I feel like I navigated them efficiently. But, you know, that's fine. You're all sick of me already. But, you know, we're halfway there. Uh, so, this person's name is crossed off, but then I see her in the code. I don't see her anymore. Okay, so maybe she's not reading. Okay, on to the next poet. <laughs> Our next poet is Richard Fine. Give it up for Richard. Oh. evening's carafe of wine 
And a cigarette. No, that's passe. For that once soothing antipoitous puff has now become a noxious antisocial nuisance. Besides, you all you are already pleasantly breathless. Don't forget the lots. That fleshy red crap dangling from the arms. Let your licking tongue lead the way, stroking the skin, then chomp. No, not the fatal stupid. But that, <laughs> but that other oozing red opening that must be tasted gingerly. Made the algae bloom and the fish die. 
Now my people say, it's not like it used to be. Thank you, Julie. You were just in the Hamptons last week. You know, just being poets. <laughs> you can come next year. I, I'm sure I have like the creepiest face right now. <laughs> As I say that, I'm abused it myself, which is something I do a lot. Anyway, our next poet of the evening is a former winner of Poem of the Month this year, Jennifer Kelly Gamble Carter. Gerald. 
Uh, I could be a little bit taller. It's <laughs> a wish. Mostly, yes. Thank you. Uh, all right. My first time. This one is Dear Great Grandpa. Great Great Grandpa, excuse me. I have pursued trace elements of you in my DNA as I have traced troop movements on maps. I have studied the battles and walked the fields. I have stood where you stood at Schoolhouse Ridge on the Burnside Bridge and before stepping off in Pickett's Charge. I have stood at Appomattox where your regiment surrendered. Osternak said the first to enlist are men unhappy in love. Maybe on an April morning the fruit trees blushed into bloom, a 26-year-old yeoman farmer cut the earth with his plow. Maybe he paused in his plowing, closed his eyes, and set to entangle the intricacies of multiple bird songs. Maybe he breathed the lonely aroma of being and felt just a hint of an erection followed by the metallic taste of unnamed yearning in his sternum. That night, everything was the same, and the next day, too. But folks noticed Henry spending more time leaning on fence posts, jawing or staring. There were rumors and reports. By May, it was all anybody talked about anymore. And one night at dinner, she broke her blue and white mug. She said she was tired of hearing about it. She was tired of hearing about it in this house. And what about the children? And don't you talk about it in here anymore. Do you hear me? And don't you go getting any foolish notions, Henry R. Wagner, about playing soldier with your friends. There. Why doesn't she see that, he would say. He would say, he's a man, not a boy anymore. And the other men, who are not boys anymore, would nod sympathetically. In June, there were banners and marching to catchy martial tunes and drilling with muskets. He was protector, pillar, militiaman in the Allegheny True Blues. <coughs> One late July day, the Blues were mustered into the Army of Northern Virginia. Just like that, he was in F Company, 22nd North Carolina Infantry, Penders Brigade, AP Hills Division, Stonewall Jackson 2nd Corps, Robert E. Lee Commanding. He was the carnage in all the battles I could name, and in many I've never heard of. And when he was sent home three years later with a gunshot wound he picked up in the trenches of Petersburg, his third, Beth lovingly nursed him back to health and skinned him alive every day she was doing. Uh, this one, uh, Enkidu uh, Apocrypha, having read something like 40 years ago, I, I got it wrong, but it worked out well in the poem. The night of her nooner with Enkidu, the whore of Babylon cried. There by the waterfall, the beasts of forest and field, brown eyes stared stock still as hunters. Raptor, raptors, their shrill cries cut arced wide and black to glare upon the pornography of mythic proportions, the orgasm that did move the earth. But some shit shook loose. She rolled the big lug off, whispered in his ear her best May West, kissed him on the forehead, patted his cheek. The one delivered in splendor, water holes to storied gates, walked upright alone that night, wrapped in the fabulous fabric of her trade, tears. It was true. Some shit had shook loose. It was true. 
only once would the great whore of Babylon make a beast into a man. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I like that line. It was truly some shithead show. <laughs> Kind of incredible that that was delivered seriously. Was that supposed to be funny? No. Anyway, I found this funny. So I do like the aliens. I'm going to say that at a random moment this week. It was true. Some shit had shook loose. Amazing when I say it. Is Chris Roberts here? Negative. I think so. Our next vote is Emily Blair. You have a Alright, 
do an attempt at my first fuck poem. Oh, come on. Called the real you. The real you will come out. You just have to get fucked. Or be the one doing the fucking. Or get fucked out of a job. Or get fucked over by a friend. Sometimes you'll fuck a friend that fucked you out of a job by. <laughs> or fucking you out of a job by. Excuse me. <laughs> See, this is why I don't like the fucking fucks. Too many fucks. We get fucked out of a job, we get fucked over by a friend. Sometimes you'll fuck a friend that fucked you over by fucking you out of a job. Or a girl you like, or a guy you like. Get fucked for all kinds of fucking fun stuff. Like not having the correct paperwork, the correct documents. Get fucked for having the right documents. For giving a smile every time she hands you your coffee, or a spinach roll, or a peanut butter blueberry smoothie. Smile for every extra scoop of ice cream, each free cup of coffee, or macaroon, or whatever, honestly, and get fucked. For if you ever need your true self to be revealed, then get fucked, do some fucking, and fucking forget all the bullshit. Live with no regrets, because in the end, it's the final fuck. The last fuck you'll receive will be the last fuck that you will ever see. So, fuck while you can, get fucked while you can, and keep on fucking, you filthy fucking animals. <laughs> Julianopla. 
have heard a slightly different version of this poem. I revised it um, slightly. It's called National Traitor. They called Marlena Dietrich a national traitor because she entertained US troops and sang in English the soldier's ballad of the barrack and the street lamp. She betrayed fatherland and mother tongue, they said. It was the decent thing to do, she answered. Christian Johann Heinrich Heine, born Hari Prein, sardonic and romantic poet, to his deathbed in his chosen exile Paris, insisted his only fatherland was the German language. In Tel Aviv, after much debate, the street named after Heine, convert, national traitor, runs through a bleak industrial zone. Old photos and witness stories prove I screamed bitter tears throughout my baptism in a Rhineland church. Years later, on the Upper West Side of New York, I immersed my entire body in the waters of Hebrew life. I resurfaced laughing. My parents refused to hear about it. I try to entertain you as audiences with poems I write in English. I'm not always sure whether I pick the right tone or rhyme tried images. Maybe that's precisely why I write in English. I don't feel bugged and censored. Maybe that's why I'm still here. I don't always understand what's going on. Maybe that's why I can't find love. I will never call my lovers babe or honey in that all-American sweet sexy way. I can't bring myself to call them shuts or Hase either. Come to think of it, I haven't had a lover in a while. I write another poem. I decide to focus on my Hebrew. I don't think I would have forced my children to learn German, although everyone assumes that's the decent thing to do. I am a national traitor. I have deserted unborn future generations, the girl I was, my mother and her unconscious humming tenderness. My father, who used to sing with me in front of the tape recorder, the song about the moon rising above foggy meadows and the dark silent forest. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. The next poet hopefully is at the same height. Get up for our the author of the year from 2016, Arthur Russell. about reading poems on this subject, but tremulous, tremulous. I tremble. You said I trembled last time I read a poem on this subject. A woman with gray hair. We kissed on the sidewalk until passing cars honked. Next time, in the front seat of her truck, she helped me reach inside her sweater acknowledged my boner with a compassionate pat on the outside of my pants leg. Before we went further, she went east to attend a family business. We communicated by text. She did herself during one thread, wrote, Phew, and asked if I would too. We only tried that once. It seemed indecorous. The family business kept her in Wyoming longer than she expected. I felt we'd broken up one night while watching a guy and girl, both German, screwing on a green couch, her white high-heeled sandals upside down on his thighs. 
A young stagehand, wearing a white tee and jeans, crossed the set to get to the apartment door of the place they were filming. While in the foreground, the girl in the sandals knelt on the green sofa with her butt sticking out. I admired the length and durability of the German guy's tool, and the German girl's lust, offset by discomfort, seemed plausible enough. But once I saw him leave, I wanted to be outside with the young stagehand, getting lights from the truck, or coffee for the crew, or standing on the street, watching the passing cars. This one is called Easter Sunday Morning. A pigeon, pursued by a shadow, shot the gap between the buildings like a fighter plane from the early sun toward my balcony. Its skull rang the double pane with a metal clang and it fell to the concrete floor, its great chest heaving. Specks of head feather made a circular mark on the glass. I slid the heavy door aside. The noise that fills our city courtyards poured into my home like foam peanuts in a shipping box. I went outside in my pajama pants and knelt between the pigeon and my failed avocado, whose chopstick crutch was stouter than the stem I twist-tied to it, and the bird I feared as a city boy to touch, whose death I feared to share, compassion caught like a foot in the fork of a tree, lay breathing slowly. It had a short yellow beak with dark striations like an old piano key. And at its base, instead of pince-nez glasses, waxy bulbs of whitish nostril resonant. The tiny head where it had punched the glass swelled like the, the knot on a Sikh boy's turban. Its well-black eye was glazing toward milk. On the next roof-over parapet, nonchalant and motionless, a pyramid of patience, I saw the shadowed peregrine waiting for the pigeon it had chased to panicked death to die. And I, with eyes made mother hard, stood and thrust my chin out at the falcon, which turned its head to show me how its dark beak curved. I reached back for the beach chair then, too intent to turn away, and set it like a tent above the dying bird, and went inside and closed the sliding door behind me, cutting off the noise. The white quilt that enveloped my young wife shone in the dark like the snow on the lawn of our current home when I go outside in the early dark to shovel. I sat on the edge of the bed. I touched her hairline. Our love then had a jigsaw-fitting calm. I told her I had looked up from my coffee, seen the pigeon come, more bomb than bird, and crash into the billboard of itself that was our window, and how I felt my heart, at impact, shrivel like a nutsack in cold water when the poor thing fell and lay there lifeless, but for its twitching, tangled, scaling feet. But when we reached the living room, even before I slid the door aside, I saw the folding chair, I saw beneath the folding chair, the pigeon where I left it wasn't there. And the dead tree stem, lashed to the chopstick, jutted from its hilltop in the chipped clay pot. And outside, in the noise and brick-walled courtyard, neither on the parapet nor anywhere, the falcon with its terrible intent. Nothing of the pigeon remained on the balcony, except the ring its head had left on the door. We stood that way forever. Even now, we stand there in our sleep clothes, 
I who saw it, and she who only heard of it from me. Thank you, Roger. Well done. We are on to our way list. We have time for three. I ask that you read one poem on the way list. <laughs> Make your best poem. Make your mom proud. And all of us. Our next vote is Candy Wolf. Get up for Candy. Thanks. 
Our last poet of the evening is an Asian man. Give it up for John Kim. Thank you, good evening. 
So there you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for June 12th, 2017. Congrats to Dianelli Antigua in her Yop debut for winning June Yop Poem of the Month for her poem Re-Education. We've had a, a few Yop debuters winning Poem of the Month this year, including Dianelli. It's a pretty impressive feat. For her award, Dianelli now has earned free admission to a future Yop and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown coming your way on Monday, December 11th, which is our last Yop of the Year. Dianelli will go head-to-head with other winners of Poem of the Month over the past year for the coveted honor of Poem of the Year. Thanks to our professor, Jay Despande, for leading the workshop on the Ode and kicking off the open mic this month. Jay is teaching a fantastic-looking workshop for Brooklyn Poets on the Ode called In Praise of the Ode, which starts in July. I was about to say June, but it is not June. It is July, a month in which good things happen that you will probably want to praise. That workshop runs from July 23rd to August 20th. Five Sundays, 4 to 7 p.m. in Borham Hill. For more information about that workshop, go to brooklynpoets.org where you can also find out more info if you are interested about the Brooklyn Poets Yop. And that, incidentally, is also where you can sign up for the next Yop, which comes your way on Monday, July 10th. This Yop will feature new Brooklyn Poets professor Gregory Crosby leading the workshop and kicking off the open mic so we hope to see you there till next time stay cool i guess now that it's warm and be safe be well and all good things